A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Kasper Schmamansky, and everyone who's watching. Welcome, Kasper. Jason, I have to say this is the most artistic introduction I've ever experienced in my long career doing similar events. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure, as Brilliant. always. Yeah, you've uh, had a very long career. I keep bumping into you all over the place. And you were very, very kind and recommended me to lots of events as a great speaker, even though you didn't know how good a speaker I might or might not be. Uh, I've seen you speak. You're a genius speaker. I'm humbled. I believe that's not entirely deserved. But yes, I'd love to share. Uh, I do love to share now. Nowadays, as we talked, it's a, a little bit different. Uh, nowadays, we do it much more in a virtual capacity. Uh, one more reason why I like what, doing what we're doing right now. But I'm very optimistic. Eventually, myself, you, and our audiences, we will meet together again at conferences face-to-face. We'll face. again, don't know where, don't know when. And then there was a question of Szymanski. Is that how you say it? Szymanski, always. Szymanski. I, had to, I had to bear with that ever since kindergarten. Don't, don't worry about that. All right. Okay. And, and I really nailed that one in because I did it so incredibly badly. I made an especially big hash job of it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're an ex-Googler and you work at Search Brothers, which is your company with our friend Philly. Well, you summarized it perfectly. Uh, former Google search quality was an extensive experience of penalizing websites and helping websites. That's what people tend to be most interested yeah, about. So you're one of these nasty people, nasty people who put the penalties on to the people who were cheating. And the people who were cheating were saying, aren't they horrible? And you go, well, actually, you were cheating. So I, I, I'd like to think I was one of the nastiest ever. Um, <laughs> on a more serious note, this is experience that comes much uh, handy helping now because uh, even the people that, uh, you know, we can call that cheat or cut corners, people that happen to find themselves in violation with Google Webmaster Guidelines, they tend to also like to get out, uh, get back into Google's good grace. And that is where that experience that myself and Philly, my uh, fellow former search quality Googler, and uh, my uh, my business partner at Search Partners, where both our experiences come in handy. Brilliant. And so you've got hundreds and hundreds of SEO disasters that you can tell us about. But you mentioned three to me, uh, and when you're going to talk about them today, we hope. Successful retail shop, a leading travel price comparison service, and an international med medical website. And I kind of think that there's this kind of, is it nefarious pleasure that we get from hearing these disaster stories? And I think it's because we think, thank the Lord it wasn't me. Is that about it? There is a beautiful word for that in German, Schadenfreude, that yeah. non-native German speakers love to use. Um, it is a little bit of that. So obviously we are interested to see the carnage happening and we stare at the accident as it happens. But it is also an opportunity in my book to learn um, from very expensive, very disastrous decisions that you don't have to pay for yourself. So it is an opportunity for all of us. Yeah, right, okay. So, I mean, we do say one learns from one's mistakes, but what you're saying is one learns from other people's mistakes. And while it we laugh cheaper. at them as we go through, we also retain it and think, I definitely won't be doing that. 
you'd rather have that happen to other people than to your own websites. Brilliant stuff. Very quickly, before we start, uh, as part of this experiment, obviously we're doing this entity-based content model experiment that everybody keeps hearing about, anybody who's listened to any of these podcast episodes. You are now part of it because the idea is the podcast is an entity with episodes that are entities, with guests who are entities, with topics who are entities. Uh, this, In this case, the topic entity is SEO disasters. And we ranked... Uh, we've been ranking number one on your video carousel on your personal brand set for several weeks now for a video that hasn't even been released yet. And we can probably show that now. Oh, no, we can't. We had a screenshot of it, and we're actually ranking in the video carousels for the... Um, there you go. Ranking the video carousels there on the left uh, for something that hasn't even happened, which I find kind of interesting. Google seems to think that that is relevant content for people who are searching your name, content that will soon be happening. Oh, that is now happening. I concur. Brilliant stuff. Welcome to everybody. Do ask your questions in the live chat. Um, I think we've got, oh, we've got Ken Shaw from France who turns up pretty much every week. Thank you, Ken, for turning up. Um, we're going to start off with the disasters. Any questions you have, do ask them. Casper says he can even answer them after if you reach out to him. Or maybe he'll write an article or we'll write an article together. So the luxury retail shop. You're not going to give us the name, I guess. No, uh, I don't really feel like uh, finger pointing and shaming really helps uh, here, but it is important to know that we're talking about real disasters. Mm. A website that merely doesn't rank, that's not a disaster. That's just a website that fails to live up to expectation Ooh, like you know, because it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't work quite as well as, as the site owner would like to. On the other hand, if we're talking about a real business, a brick-and-mortar business uh, with, with an uh, online outlet uh, and which tremendous success that tanks overnight, that's a disaster. Yep. And that, that um, I've experienced a number of times really in, in a tremendous capacity, frequently it is a case of overreaching. So uh, the case, the case, the premium. Ooh, it, it's being greedy. It, it's 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 Aren't people being greedy and then and then yeah and, and suddenly paying the price. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Um, or making decisions that were really not founded on the best information available. So in in the particular case, I am referring to that's a case where where being better informed certainly would have prevented the situation from happening because in that situation, a real business decided to migrate. And in a nutshell, what they did is migrating back and forth. They did do a um, very basic mistake, if you want, initially, by not auditing either one of the websites prior to the migration. Right. So even if everything went well, you know, there would be legacy issues lingering. But that issue aside, the migration is always a little bit of a challenge. So what they basically do, and I, I like to call them a premium retail website, uh, what they do did do is with no preparation, no regard for the low season, no regard for legacy issues, they would migrate their existing business to a new domain. Let's call that domain, domain B, for instance. Ooh, sorry, can I just say, I like the fact that you said they migrated their business to a new domain. Because, because that's what they do. Yeah, right. it, it's not just a website. It's your business. And I think people forget that. And they go, oh, it doesn't matter, matter. It's only a website. But in fact, it's your business. It's your lifeblood. It is. It is. It, is, it absolutely was. 
a number of things happened next to the technical calamities that were about to unfold. The legal situation, which touches on SEO, which touches on search, wasn't really looked into previous. So the new domain, domain B, wasn't actually available from a legal perspective. So several weeks into the migration, while Google and other search engines had to recrawl or all the links and all the content, they actually decided to go back. So that in itself was sort of a nuclear option, but not good for them, really thermonuclear, one has to say. Uh, and subsequently, being really... Um, in a very uncomfortable situation already because clearly you have all the resources committed now switching back and forth. What they did do is to allow for local distribution centers because it was a real brick and mortar business. So for local distributors, let's say in France and Germany and the UK, for them to take ownership of the bits and pieces of the websites. So you would have, you know, example.com slash UK that would operate UK website on a completely different content management system versus say de.example.com that would operate the German version. A lot of lo local solutions, the teams clearly not very keen on working together and collaborating. And the result was calamitous. We're talking, um, or they, they, they would sell um, products that were rather high-priced. We're talking about jewelry that, that was rather high-priced. We're talking from being very visible, very successful, to non-existent rankings. Right. Um, and, and they were non-existent as soon as they switched or because they then switched back, changing their mind because of the legal issues? The, fi the final death blow was indeed choosing that local uh, teams would be allowed to to manage. Okay, that decision was right at the end. They said, okay, we can't sort this out. We'll just let you get on with it. Yes. So it, that was a triple whammy. That's a bad migration to the wrong domain that they had to pull back. And then just saying, oh, I give up. I'll just let anybody deal with it and see what happens. Two body blows and a headshot. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Anyone? And then they called you. I, I'm unfortunately not in a position to... to, to share how I came into in, into the position to figure out. It's not a client of ours, uh, of course. Uh, we would never talk about an existing client, but um, they did, of course, uh, seek help. And good news being that eventually recovery was feasible. I, I, I always say that. This is important to recall. Recovery is always possible. It's a matter of time and resources. And in their case, they could have been actually doing quite well consistently, quite possibly improving their rankings over the migration to a new domain. But uh, because of those very poorly informed decisions taken in, 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 in a sequence, the consequences were really dire. Um, well, and, and that and was that's disastrous. That's question. I mean, kind of like, obviously, to, some of these errors could have been prevented. I mean, Actually All getting somebody like yourself or myself, because we're really good at our job, of course, or, or another great expert in right from the beginning, just to make sure you don't make these major mistakes. Great idea. But people think, oh, I'll, I don't need it. It's just a question of 301 redirecting everything. A technician can do that. Uh, well, a technician or a developer um, or a number of developers. Sorry, I meant developer. In, in, in that case are key components. They really are the people that, that really work hard, labor hard on, on, on making the success. But the, all the mistakes 
done were really done by the executive team. Uh, we're talking about decisions that were taken at a, uh, at a very high level uh, that were poorly informed. Again, this is not pointing fingers. This was a failure, um, most likely on the marketing uh, director's part, not being able to get the message across. This is something that we have to look into prior to making this tremendous jump. It really is a leap forward. Every migration is a leap forward. It can be quite beneficial, it has to be done right. Time being a critical component. Uh, frequently, I do hear people saying, yeah, we're, we're going into, you know, we're planning a migration, whether that's a content migration, domain migration, or both. And we're planning on doing that next month, and we haven't started yet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's disaster in progress, right? I'm thinking three, six months, depending on the website size. It's more realistic than that. Right. I just actually had a client who, who I think did a very, very intelligent job because they've obviously been running that site for 13 years. They're called Refurb Me and they didn't mm -hmm. have a disaster or haven't yet. And they had the intelligence to say, right, okay, here's what we think we should do. They called me in, said, here's what we think we should do. What do you think? Can you give us a critique of that six months ago? I gave them a critique. We came to lots of decisions, three to six months, and it's exactly the time frame they took for this. And then we had another conversation a few days ago and they said, can you check that we've done it all right? and that everything that we agreed uh, is actually going to work pr correctly now that it's all set up. We made a few tweaks, and they're going to launch in a few weeks. Uh, and I think that's a very, very sensible approach, because they are experts in themselves because they've been doing that site for 13 years, and they've been doing great SEO for 13 years, but they realized they needed a, an external view, a third party to come in and look at it from a, uh, a neutral point of view, uh, with perhaps insights that they wouldn't otherwise have, otherwise have, excuse me. Poke, really poke the website. Uh, I am poking websites. I like that. I, I firmly believe that uh, outside consultants' um, job really is to try to find a chink in the armor. And if you've been working on that website for a really long time, it's kind of your baby, you know, you feel passionate mm -hmm. about it. You're very familiar with it. You know all about it. It's really difficult. I mean, who, which person in the right mind would say, you know, this is my baby. This has been my passion for a long time. It's kind of imperfect. I hear this. There is this and that that doesn't really work well. So it really is important to have somebody that is dispassionate and really looks mm. into the data and, and really tries actively to find the the, the negative uh, signals versus looking into all what goes really well at that Brilliant. point. Brilliant. Yeah. But so great advice. Call in an outsider, if only to get a third party external independent view from somebody who knows what they're talking about. And just a quick reminder, we're talking about SEO disasters with Kasper Szymaszki, which I almost didn't remember. And actually, I didn't remember at all. Um, and we've got three of them. That was the first one. And the second one you said is a travel price comparison site. So I call that website uh, uh, Journey Compare Heaven because I think that's a lovely, that would be actually a lovely, very long domain. So um, Journey Compare Heaven uh, did something that is quite common and that I did see happen more frequently. They did two things. Very briefly, they did inter internationalize their website, which is very different from localizing because localizing okay. is actually translating the gist, providing all the information 
in, in a local environment, speaking mm -hmm. the right language versus translating the website and just slapping it online and making it available. And the other thing they did, which was very bad, is opening, opening up filtering for indexing. And they opened up filtering for indexing. Filtering, indeed. So, you know, you would have all the option of all the features of all the products available for indexing, every single one on their individual respective URL. Right. Um, which obviously totally exploded out of proportion their existing volume of landing pages, the our landing pages. They, these started cannibalizing uh, against each other because, of course, there will be much more landing pages from one website competing against each other next to competing against competitors. So that completely tanked their situation. And uh, once again, this is something that could have been completely prevented because that was a very, very successful travel website. So there was no need really to make these steps. Going international, very good idea. If you already have a successful product that goes well in Germany, chances are you can branch out and go to another country, say Poland, for instance, or say France, large markets, very, very high internet penetration. Mm. You can absolutely do that, but you have to put more input into that rather than just utilizing Google Translate for the actual translation. Oh, I, do people really just do that? You'd be surprised. Oh, well, I am very surprised, yeah. I mean, the idea that Google, I mean, I look at Google Translate, we all have a laugh every now and then at the mistakes it makes. But I think kind of when, when you're pushing it into somebody else's language and you don't understand the language, you obviously kind of think, well, I can't understand, so it doesn't it, really matter. It just doesn't sound right. I, I mean, who who in the right mind would actually gonna you know go for a high priced travel product if if the lingo seems a little bit off? Like, can I really trust them? Um, but but that just you know that that just quadrupled or 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 or, or multiplied the volume of, of pages by 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 fivefold. But the filtering was really the killer there because that was the nuclear explosion that that's where the pandora's box was open and that's really problematic subsequently because of course that completely destroys any crawl budget management at that mm. point in time and that's something that has to be fixed over time um getting there does require crawling the website in an ideal situation and and i'd like to share a takeaway Right, uh, okay. with our yes. audience. Yeah, you so, said you were going to share takeaways, and I thought that was. A I'd great like to idea. share a few, if that's okay. Yes, but that's one fine. very important because uh, I, I do I do get the impression very frequently, whenever I talk to to uh, um, fellow industry people, nine out of ten people do not share, uh, do, do not save and preserve and retain their server logs. And the reasoning for that is manifold. Frequently, the, the reasoning is you know it's too expensive or there is. We've, we've got too much. Well, if you have a lot of server logs, that means that's more data that's actually good for you. And it's it's dirt cheap to do it. It can be gzipped. Yeah. I mean, if you've got lots of server logs, it means you've got lots of visits, which presumably means if you're not stupid, you're making some money, which means that the actual cost of storing them is negligible compared to what you should be making theoretically from all those Absolutely. lovely visits. Absolutely. On, on the flip side, if you don't have server logs, you are not in the position to tell how much waste there is in existence or whether desirable landing pages do get crawled on a regular basis to begin with, whether they perform. So saving, preserving server logs is very, very important. Now, we presumably have some 
German-speaking audience as well. So I want to mention that as well. Uh, I have a fairly limited legal background, you know, for many years back, but um, there is a legal component with GDPR and all of that uh, with regard to server logs. But we're talking only about saving and preserving raw web server logs. You're not processing them at all. So whenever mm -hmm. your legal team tells you, no, we can't touch on that, well, for starters, it's yours, so you can save and preserve it. Whatever you're going to do, subsequently it's a completely different ball game right. and, and yes they can be utilized because you don't care for the user you actually care only for bots for verified bots one other thing which you can't actually tell unless you have raw web server logs unless you have have them you can verify it when when it is actually google bot or big bot that crawls your site versus other bots that make so, them desirable. So what I understand is you can save them, you just can't do anything with them because of the IP addresses, but once you've filtered out the bots, you can then take that subset of visits and say, I can do what I want with that because it's not people, it's a bot. And better and yet, a bot doesn't have legal rights. Ha-ha. And better yet, that's the only subset you care for. Yeah. So, so it's, it's very, very, very important. I want to say critical for any large website, for any successful website, to save and preserve web server logs for eternity, really, uh, at least a couple of years. Um, and once there is at least six months of, of web server logs accumulated, or preferably even more, say, make it 12 months, that's actually a treasure trove. That's actionable information sitting right there. So something I'd like to suggest to our, our audience all all our listeners to make sure if they operate large website, make sure you save and preserve web server logs. Very, very right. important. You will need, you will use it. Can I make another suggestion that people Absolutely. never do? Or I, when people come to me with that, that every now and then a client contacts me and says, oh, we've just migrated our website and it's gone horribly wrong. And then they, they ask me to sort it out. And then you say, why didn't you call me in before? And they said, because it's simple moving a site. And you go, well, seems it, but the, the price you pay when you get it wrong is much too big to even begin to think about. And then you say, have you got an old copy of the website I can look at? And the answer is almost always no. And you say you should actually keep the old website set up somewhere so that somebody like me can come in and have a look at what it was to what it's become so we can start to look at where all these problems might be coming from. I think we had a question with regard to tools that pop up just really briefly. Yep. Go so ahead. what tools um, did you use or recommend using to successfully migrate a website when staying on the same domain? It's not really about tools. You, you have to actually, so let me elaborate on that real quick. And, uh, I, I believe we have altogether 30 minutes time or 45 minutes? 30 yeah, minutes. We, we're for, 40 minutes. We've got another 20 40 minutes. minutes. So 40 minutes, okay. Stick so around I, everybody. This is going to be really interesting. Um, so the first thing when talking about migration, whether that's domain or content migration, it doesn't really matter so much. You always want to do an audit first technical audit, both on and off page. For starters, you want to crawl the website. You want to see whether that's the, the bits and pieces of content that are available out there and crawlable, returning 200, okay, is actually uh, overlap, that actually does overlap with the stuff that you want to be ranking uh, very frequently, almost every single time. There is some overlap, but there's also stuff where like that staging server, why is that being crawled? We didn't think that was open for crawling to begin with. So you need to figure that out first internal linking, another big issue. Do you have internal redirects? That's something you want to deal with. 
in the process because you do not want to have internal redirects, preferably if you don't have to. Um, there can be other things. Hreflang, huge issue. Content, actual content quality, content volumes, huge issue. There's, of course, backlinks. Is there any backlink liabilities from link building that you know people may not be so happy about? This is actually a nice stepping stone to the last example. <laughs> but um, is there any link building that needs to be mitigated? Is there a disavow file in place that needs updating? All of these things are to be reviewed um, in the course of an audit. That has to happen first. And depending on what whatever the audit says, the results, there might be remedies that need to be implemented instantly, and there might be things that can be dropped in the process of migrating. Now, of course, the new website should be ideally as well um, audited sometime down the line, and it has to be monitored all the time while there is migration happening. But I also want to say every single website is individual. Migrating a website of 500 documents is a completely bit different ballgame as in comparison to 500 million documents, uh, 500 million landing pages. So it is something... Oh, have you done 500 million? Yes, we have. Oh my have. lord, I'm terribly impressed now. We, we, do, we do large websites frequently. It, it, it is actually, I, I do believe it is uh, professionally... Um, a more exciting challenge to do large websites, more data, you know, uh, mm. data, data is your friend in that sense. Uh, and of course, there's a bigger gain um, if we're talking about 500 million landing pages or more versus uh, a relatively small website that sells, uh, let's say they would sell very niche product as in, I don't know, uh, one tanker shift per year. That's obviously something that is unlikely to, you know, if you grow sales by 100%, that's two tankers, that's good, but you won't be able to go really 10,000% or, or higher up versus mm -hmm. with really large websites, that's actually possible. Okay. So there is- Well, I'm no now kind of envious. I kind of think I'd like to try that, but I think when it actually comes out, I've never done a website that size. 500,000 is about as high as I would go. Um, and but there is potential in that as well, isn't it? Oh, I, I love doing. I love doing site migrations, and I kind of like the smaller size of it because uh, it gives you that, for me at least, more focus. And then I really, I've got personally speaking, I think I've got my head around it. And then when it moves and the the the, the needle goes up or the the hockey stick stick happens, I mean, I tell my clients this is an opportunity. The new site should be theoretically better than the old site, and if it's not, why are you doing this? Um, and if it is better and we do the redirects correctly and we correctly indicate to Google what has moved to where in the case of just a migration of, of content, um, we should actually improve. There, sh there is no reason that we shouldn't improve as long as we explain it correctly and we walk Google through what we have done. Oh, I, absolutely. You're preaching to the converted. I, I could oh, yeah, not sorry. agree more <laughs> on what you just said. I do not believe a migration is merely a stepping stone. It should be actually a jumping board for, for, for new heights, for, 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 for new visibility. Um, I think we should both become motivational speakers. I think we are, aren't we not? <laughs> um, I was thinking in terms of providing some, some tangible advice to the person who asked the question, and thanks for doing so, you know, we try for questions. Um, I do believe that, of course, Google Search Console is your most basic tool where, yeah. where you get the first insight, but you also want to crawl the website. For that purpose, I am a huge fan of Botify. I love Deep Crawl, Screaming Frog, just to name three of the tools that are out there. And ideally you would use them 
all at once simultaneously in order to get different views on how the website does perform. So there is a number of tools that can help you prepare migration, but the step itself, of course, is something that can be aided by a tool uh, all um, by itself. And what's really nice about Search Console is because you can order it by uh, impressions and clicks, it allows you to actually prioritize what you can then focus on to make sure you don't lose whatever the big, the big chunk of traffic is. Uh, the Search Console data adds that extra element, which is this page is important for my bottom line. And that's actually a lovely point because frequently, if you, if you sort it by by uh, CTR, having essentially zero percent CTR, you notice there is huge traffic, so there's huge visibility, but uh, but zero CTR. So if you improve in the process merely, for instance, on on the user perception, and you improve the CTR from non-existent to anything above zero point zero, <laughs> chances are. The, the, the conversion is going to go through the roof. So there is huge potentials that can be actually tapped into in the process. Brilliant stuff. Right, okay. And the third disaster is uh, international medical website. Um, yeah. Um, one of my favorite verticals, if I may say so, uh, always exciting to, to, to work with. And this is a classic. This, this really is the kind of thing I had the opportunity to experience uh, back in the days working on behalf of Google and subsequent. Um, so Google, in a nutshell, does not condone um, build, link building that passes PageRank. Um, right. and, and of course, it does still work. Otherwise, people wouldn't be doing it. That's a classic case of overreaching. Because with, with Medicine Makes Happy, uh, as I refer to the website, they would- Medicine Makes Happy. Medicine makes happy. I I I thought it's it's not it sounds like Vicodin, but you know, um, it's just it's just for us. It it, it the website wasn't really about uh, any of those products. So in that case, what they would do is um, building links, and that would be actually outsourced for another third party as an agency. Very common. Uh, very standard. Again, one tip here, if you ever do that, and, and I'm not judging one way or the other, but if you ever do that, insist that you do get documentation, as in 100% documentation mm. of, the of, the builds, of the links built, because you may need it. And if you don't have it as you need it, that's problematic. Um, that right. Oh, and kind of one, that's one of the stories about link building, the disaster stories, is the irony of the, the, the penguin penalties was that people ended up paying the same agency that had built the links to take them down again because they didn't have a clue where they were. Uh, which meant that the agency who, who did it get the, the first money and then they can charge even more to take away what they did and were paid to do. Standard. Sorry, I'm laughing and that's rotten. I wasn't supposed to do that today. We're not supposed to, but it does happen all the time, exactly as you just said. So there would be costs, resource allocation for building links, and eventually, you know, once once the, the baby was spilled with the bathwater, there would be actually resource allocation for fixing the issue, as in disavowing links, because physical yeah. removal frequently wasn't possible, and that's exactly what happened. So they, they were going really well, they were going really strong. They decided, you know, if it's going so well with a few links every now and then, probably not even being aware how badly they were in violation of Google Webmaster Guidelines. They would basically toss more wood on the fire and, you know, let's build so much more links, like factor 10. And let's have much more links overnight. But then if you're done. doing that, if you've got the you're documentation, you can either roll it back or at least disavow, and at least you know what's happening. You can. 
Certainly you do, uh, but it comes down to volumes and it is something that also costs money. We have to be fully aware of the fact that um, a backlink audit can be a challenge if we're talking uh, you know, 200, 500 million backlinks, where we're if we're talking billion, billions of backlinks, um, it's, all, it's all doable, but they are much quicker built as in comparison to how long it takes to in order to find them and to mitigate the risk with a disavow file. So that's something that takes weeks and during that period of time, of course, the site visibility does suffer quite a lot. Classic case of overreaching, something that can be done. Once again, it did take time, um, but it is absolutely possible. I like to think, and this is something uh, I believe we can also share here stuff in, in chat and subsequently on Twitter, if that's mm -hmm. okay with you, Jason. Um, um, I'd like to share a blueprint with regard to how to build links because I still believe that links are very, very important. Links should be built. Um, however, not for patron purposes, but much rather than that for conversion processes. So if, if you have to pay for a, for a no-followed link um, that costs you 10,000 or, or 50,000 euro per month, but it drives so much more traffic, converting traffic to your website, why not? And it's not even in violation of Google or Western guidelines. Mm. So that's something that I would most certainly condone, but building low quality links for PageRank passing is something of very old school methods that is just dangerous, you know? Right, yeah, no, sure, 100%. I mean, I'd, I've never been one for, for link building, uh, definitely not my, my cup of tea. Uh, but then I, I did the blue dog and the yellow koala cartoon and, and we got links because the, the content was such great quality and so well targeted to a specific audience, which was schools, uh, kids, in fact, sorry, and, and therefore schools and play groups and parents and grandparents gave us loads and loads of links. Um, but I think I got spoiled by that. Well, it's easier to attract um, citations, links, you know, whatever it is, direct yeah. traffic, my preferred way of having uh, conversions to begin with, if you actually have a unique selling proposition, uh, right. which, which is actually critical for any business, whether that's SEO or selling fluffy bunnies or, or you know, cars, whatever it is, you have to be better in one way or the other, preferably in several ways, uh, as in comparison to the nine other websites competing against uh, your own landing pages. Uh, and that is really, really important. And in your case, the unique selling proposition was clearly there. You were an early innovator, weren't you? Yeah, it was It was Macromedia and then Adobe Flash games for kids and songs, which I wrote. Um, but the thing about it was, and I, the unique selling point was, in fact, there was two cartoon characters. There were two pairs of cartoon characters all over the place. But it was that the kids liked these particular ones and the unique selling point is just actually being you and people becoming attached to you and your product. Well, if your target audience likes you, um, you know, I always like to quote uh, the fact that Google likes websites that are popular with users. Yeah. That tends to work. And, and you know, if, if you're a father yourself, you know what kids like. That's good. Yep. That, that works. It's always easier to sell something that you're passionate about. Brilliant stuff. And sorry, back to the medical website disaster. Absolutely. Where were we with that? So um, eventually they were able to roll back. Um, they parted ways with their existing agency, um, not very amicably, I have to say. And they did not get any documentation in the process. One of the reasons why I mentioned it previously, 
it really is cheaper, easier to have that documentation at that. In an ideal situation, you may even have a contract where you can say, mm. look, you do go ahead and build those links for us. But once we say discontinue and, and, and get rid of them, disavow these links, then you do that on, on, on our behalf and it's part of the, part of the uh, deal. It's included, so to say. They didn't do that. They they couldn't do it because they have discontinued collaboration. So what had to be done is the backlink profile had to be crawled and mirrored, so to say. And that, that's something that can be aided with tools. Um, there are some really good tools, link research tools, one of my favorites, Ahreflang, one of, another one of my favorites. Um, I really like utilizing all of these and of course, Google Search Console mm -hmm. as data points. And and, I, and I'm going to say something that, that's going to maybe strike some of our listeners as odd coming from a former Google guy. I am a big fan of the Bing Webmaster Console as well because it is yet another data source. So if you tap yeah. in, into Bing, you tap into Google, you use Ahref, you use uh, link research tools, you, you need all of these and combine the input, you are in a position to build that backlink profile to mirror it much quicker. It's still going to take a few, few weeks, you know. Uh, mm. with, a, with a small backlink profile, it may be two or three weeks, but with a large substantial one, it may very well take two months. And then still, that data needs to be processed, but it can be done. Mm. Another point I'd like to share with our audience as a hint is the way you, you utilize um, the disavow file. Uh, frequently, people try to be very granular about it, you know, pick and choose. Uh, um, oh my God, that's a, that's, that's a lovely one. I am a big fan. I, I'm going to get a call from my for, a, former former peers at Google. Well, no, I, I'm, a, I'm actually a Bing fan because when you talk about Bing bot and, and Google and Bing webmaster tools, sorry, uh, I think about uh, Fabrice Canal, who's the guy who's Mr. Bing bot. And I know he's him. such a lovely him. guy, so incredibly enthusiastic and so very intelligent. And he's so willing to explain how it all, how it all works. Amazing, amazing bunch of people at Bing. So I'm a Bing fan too. And he knows what he's talking about. I, yes. I, I myself uh, had the honor uh, meeting him at some uh, conferences, and uh, it's um, you know he, he's one of us, a long, like-minded person that thinks search. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure. Um, so yeah, um, talking about medicine makes happy. They <laughs> were able and Jason. Now we're, we're we're in a team. <laughs> we're a team of Bing fans. Joined at the hip. Brilliant. They were able to fix the issue. Now, of course. Whenever that happens, the, the last question uh, people ask me, you know, when I tell them, please do utilize the domain operator, submit that disavow file, update it regularly, because you will have to do that every three, six, every 12 months at the very least. Um, people would ask me, yes, but once I've submitted that disavow file, what happens next? Is, is my site going to sky, skyrocket? Is it going to plateau? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it going to decline? And the honest answer is no one can tell. There is no crystal ball to look into and tell this is exactly what's going to happen. All three scenarios are possible. What happens actually frequently, I've seen that, um, is the fact that sites actually thrive once they got rid of the ballast. So to say they, they release the handbrake and once the disavow file has been uploaded and processed by Google, websites actually grow in visibility, but it's not a given. So mm -hmm. Medicine Makes Happy did actually struggle for quite a while, but there is bigger, 
better fish to fry than just building links for patron purposes. On a technical level, and that's what they did, there was so much more that could be done. If there is nothing else, if 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 you think you can't improve links, you can't build links, you can't improve your content, you can't do nothing, really, really nothing, but you you are in the position to make your website faster, to make it load faster. Mm. That's that's a winning. That's a critical factor. Nowadays, more than ever. Nowadays, even more than prior to COVID nineteen. So they were able to utilize that that opportunity, make their website faster, and Google loves fast websites. So in the end, they came out as winners, but it took them really excruciatingly long for a website that was previously very successful. And that's something that you have to be able as a business that you have to be able to withstand and go through the, you know, to the dark valley before you come out on the other side as a winner. Oh, that's a lovely way to end it as well. That was three, I was going to say great disasters, but obviously bad disasters that were really interesting to listen about and to. Uh, that's the end of the show. Thank you very much, Casper, for sharing those three with us. Faster, faster, and even faster. That's your advice for your website. Um, Next week, we've got April Dunford. That's going to be a really interesting conversation that I'm really looking forward to. Sorry, excuse me. So please do join us then. Thank you to Casper. Thank you to you for joining us today. And I'll see you soon, Casper. Jason, thank you so much for having me. A real honor and a pleasure. I've shared in the chat an article pent a while ago for a search engine and describing those horror stories. Um, anybody having any questions, please do let me know in you know, in comments or just drop me a line. And once again, a real pleasure. Have a lovely day. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Caspar. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>